you're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Barron, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Barron, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, all right, everybody. Welcome to the Tactical Kitchen Show, episode 41. Oh, you got it out right out of the gate. Right out of the bat, like a professional podcaster, coming live from a new and improved studio. I'll put a picture of this studio on our uh, show notes on the website so everybody can see how professional it actually is. We're getting really fancy here at the Tactical Kitchen. I spent a lot of time over the weekend, and I made a cardboard box into a soundproof mic station. <laughs> you, got, you got all crafty. <laughs> Steve got glue out and everything. I went straight Beastie Boys and got all crafty. Yeah, oh my gosh. So so it is. It's an Amazon box because I've been ordering so much stuff from Amazon lately um, that we finally got the perfect size box. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I keep ordering Well, because I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't, just looking for the perfect Amazon box. I wouldn't call it the perfect size box. I think it might be a little too small. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm think just, it's too big. I'm just winging it here. I have really no idea what I'm doing. So if the sound's not great, it's somebody else's fault. I don't know. Well, it's it, it it's a box with an egg crate because you know you're trying to minimize that echo because yeah. I think we've got some good comments before that our sound doesn't suck, but mm. I think it could be better. I appreciate the not suck comments. Yeah, you know, I, I, well, they might have said it's not. It, it's it's definitely listenable. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? I don't know. I don't we just made know. it up. Well, so. and well, here's the thing: we keep it very simple here, and and we did that when we started. We said we're not going to make this. Difficult. We're not going to go out and have get a studio, and we each have our own mic. We won't do it. (laughs) Well, sometimes you know, if you make things too complicated or difficult, you won't get started. And we wanted to just get started, so we made it as simple as we could. Could we use things we already had? We didn't go out and buy stuff. We just we just started. Yeah, and that that's how you have to do it. You have Mm -hmm. to just. Start. Yeah, and a year later, we made one single improvement. <laughs> we did. No, we've made two. We got this awesome table. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. And we've talked about our table before, our nifty table, mm-hmm. and then we got the box yeah, from we're, Amazon. We're practically professionals. There's us and Joe Rogan. Do you Same know how thing. many soundproof boxes I've thrown away over the year, over this last year, from all the Amazon boxes? I've, I've basically destroyed our potential yeah. at throwing boxes away. I know. Away. We could have we could have boxed our entire living room by now. <laughs> we live in a padded cell. <laughs> one, one soundroof so, studio made out of Amazon boxes. I know. And then the cat steals the box because she uses it as her little hiding place yeah, to jump out and attack us. That's her favorite thing. I know. So uh, so what are we talking about? Oh, I know. I was going to do my uh, previously on the Tactical Kitchen. Oh, Like some yes. of the stuff we talked about last week that yeah. we can follow up on. So we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, we last talked week. about, I like your, you're so profound, your wisdom. <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff. I try to keep it really professional. Um, we talked about a lot of items, information, 
criteria. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, one of the things was uh, we got humidifier put in the bedroom because we wanted to see how that would help our sleep. How did you feel? I think it helped. I woke up with less of a sandpaper feeling in my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know when you're having to run your forced heat all the time yep. and it was really cold. It was really cold for half the week last week and then it all of a sudden jumped to 70 because it's Texas. And so you go from the heat to the air conditioner and your just skin is just like dried out from the heat. Mm-hmm. And having the humidifier running at night seemed to really help with the dryness of the air. Yeah, my, I didn't feel like, uh, you know, my nasal passage started to get uh, constricted in the middle of the night because that was happening to me about between four and five and, and then at night I felt like I was having problems breathing because I was just getting so dried out. Yeah, and that's that makes your sleep no good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody, I won't name her, <laughs> but I am her, starts to snore just a little <laughs> bit when that happens. Just a little, like a small bear. <laughs> like a mini bear. <laughs> and But there's also someone else sitting at this table who also tends to snore when that happens. So there was some snoring well, going on. you see, on. it's like I don't snore because you sleep so hard you don't hear me. So it's like it I didn't happen. I don't hear anything unless I wake up and I have to pee. And then I come back to the bedroom and lay down and you happen to be snoring. Other than that, you never wake me up because nothing wakes me up. <laughs> nothing. And, you know, most people snore. They might not know it, but most people do. It's just... Not everybody does it to the level that impacts their health, and that's what you have to be careful about. Right, and if you have a loved one that records you or something, <laughs> then you'll know your level of snoring. So maybe maybe that will happen to you. Or maybe it's your neighbors that record you. <laughs> <laughs> if it's so bad. But snoring is a problem, and it becomes more of a problem. It's not just a problem for the person you know in the room with you or down the hall from you <laughs> or in the next building. But it can be a real problem, like you said, for your health, because if you're not getting enough enough oxygen to your brain at night and in your body, then you're not repairing as well. It's going to cause and health issues. Yeah, it can. So a humidifier, check. Yep. It helps. Yeah, it helped. The other thing we did was we bought plants. We did. And so far, mine are still alive. <laughs> so only, you're just, you're, uh, did you segregate them that way in case mine die? Oh, you don't have to it. accept yeah. the... I didn't, yeah. I didn't water mine today yet. I can't forget to do that because Monday is watering day for oh, my snake plants. Monday's watering day. And, or they're called mother-in-law's tongue, but I prefer to call them snake plants because it makes me feel better about my snake phobia that mm-hmm. I have a plant called a snake plant and it's next to the bed and... It doesn't give me anxiety well, that it's a snake. Well, Pat Morita is still alive. Pat Morita. My bonsai tree. Bonsai. I, have, I haven't done any cultivating. I haven't, like, you know, pruned and tried to make him in the shape of a dragon or anything. But I'm waiting for that. You got crafty with the box, so I'm waiting for the crafty bonsai tree trimming I'm just trying sessions. to keep him alive at this point right now, making sure he's not dying. Yeah. yeah so, so my far... Mango. We have kept the plants alive. Mm-hmm. I was pretty sure mine would be dead by now, but it doesn't help if I walk by them and go, I hope you die. But <laughs> no, I don't. I talk nice to them. I'm like, you're such a pretty plant. And, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to talk to them. So I walk by and I'm like, you're a nice plant. And I water it once a week. So mm-hmm. it's been a whole, like two times of watering it. So it's been successful so far. Well, hey, so far so good. No dead plants. No dead plants. Um, so that's cool. And uh, whether or not they ha- helped our indoor environment, I have no idea. I, I don't know because we have a 
the Dyson air purifier and it comes His name's Peter. Peter the purifier. That's right. <laughs> Peter the purifier. Steve names all of our appliances and plants. <laughs> so if if it comes on less, that must mean that our air is less dirty. I guess. How do you know how often it comes on, really? I don't know. You know why you know how I should know? I have an app. You do, and and that thing is really cool because it doesn't like it when I cook at all. No, it gets very angry. Peter gets really, really ticked off about the. It comes on full force when you cook the steak. He does. It's like all of a sudden it's a wind tunnel. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Crazy. (laughs) He he cranks it up. So uh, we'll just uh, you know we'll just have to keep rolling with the whether or not it helps our our clean air in the house. And that's something that you know it's not food related. Mm Hmm. But this is health-related, right? and this is another aspect of the health issues that someone might be having. If you're having poor sleep, maybe you need an, a humidifier or an air purifier or both, and maybe add a few living things to your environment that help clean the air, like some of these awesome plants, and that could help benefit you while you're doing all the right eating that mm-hmm. you think you need to do for your body. You you know, you could be missing one little aspect, like the air in your house could be not as clean as it could be. Right. And that's that environmental portion of, you know, being healthy, nutritional, environmental, and lifestyle. We talk about environmental is a big thing to focus on. And some people kind of will overlook that. So we've tried to focus a little more on our environmental aspects of our house and our, our sleeping environment to, to just feel better. Yeah. And my next thing is I really want to get a goat. Because down the street, we have some people down the street that have a goat. And we went walking this morning, and we took Luke for a walk. And the goat was out in the front yard. And it was so cute because it's curious. It's like looking at us and kind of hopping towards us. Yeah. And Luke's freaking out because he thinks it's the strangest looking dog he's ever seen. He's never seen a goat. So we come back to the house, and we're doing research on how to start a goat farm. Yeah, I'm like, I want goats. <laughs> I want to, I want half goats. And then we start reading about it, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe we don't want to have goats. goats. I gotta milk it's them like, every day. Every day. Well, and I know you have to milk a goat every day if you have dairy goats, but it's also that like, if goats have so much personality, like the goat down the street, it was like a little clown. It was. He's he or she is hilarious, and. If you have goats, they really want a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So you just have to start thinking, do I have enough time to give attention to these social animals, these goats? Because I don't want to have them and then have them out there jumping on top of my car because they're bored, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, that's what we read is that they're smarter than dogs. So if they see you do something like open a gate or or do something around that they will try and mimic it, they'll try and do it. So don't they said, um, don't let them see you open gates because they'll do it. Yeah, they'll, be, they'll practice behind your back right. is what it said. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe we don't want goats yet. But there's so many little things like that that you can do like for your environment besides the air purifiers and all these things. Some people want to be able to raise their own food, and mm-hmm. goats are small. If you have a little bit of land, you could have your own goat milk if you were willing to put in the time and effort. And you would know, and that's a big part of diet is knowing where your food comes from. Yeah, absolutely. So that was in my next phase, and um, I'm not quite sure on that one yet. Well, we'll see if uh, we get a goat farm. Maybe we should start with chickens. We use a lot of eggs. Man, I hear chicken are extremely 
like messy and well, yeah, they're messy. I don't, everything. Our cat is messy. I don't want a messy chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Our clean. dog is messy. <laughs> I'm trying to clean up after the cat, the dog, much less like a bunch of chickens. I know. I know. That's animals. I uh, love maybe them. maybe someday when I retire, retire, we'll have chickens. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. So, so the other thing. Uh, so the the bigger thing. That was kind of all the. Uh, Previously on the Tactical Kitchen. Um, the other thing we did this week, so, uh, you know, we're always trying to learn. We're, we, we never uh, just kind of stop and say, this is what we're doing. We're always looking at what what can we do to improve. And everybody knows that we, we tried our carnivore experiment for the past year, and it went great. I mean, I really didn't I like have anything we, negative. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. <laughs> what? Okay, what is it? Well, I like that we tried it for a year. Like, that's a really good try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we failed after a year. <laughs> That's a really good give it all you've got kind of try. Well, we started 30 days, and then after 30 days, we're like, well, we feel pretty good. Let's go to, you know, let's go for another 30 days, and then we just never stopped. It was, I, well, and I will still say we are largely meat based. Oh, yeah. So there's a difference between all out carnivore and then being meat based, mm-hmm. just like people are plant based. Maybe they eat a little bit of animal products, but they're mostly plant-based. Right, yeah. We're mostly meat-based. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being mostly plant-based. As long as you're healthy, it's fine. Yeah, we exactly. Just, we found that you know eating mostly meat uh, did very well with our systems and our energy levels and our health. Everything was great. So the thing we added, oh, the old keto train. I don't know if you guys will hear the keto train because of the new sound box. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, we'll see. Uh, so we're talking about uh, the gut microbiome. So doing things like adding uh, adding in fermented foods, with which uh, will be kind of the next thing. Because doing all the research, reading a book uh, by Dr. Perlmutter uh, called The Brain Maker. Name. Yeah, Perlmutter is great. Um, about the, you know just learning about the gut microbiome because everything uh, that we've seen out there is that's kind of the next uh, frontier of of body and health research is the microbiome. Yeah, and that's like, um, it's so crazy too because when you start looking at the gut microbiome, just learning the bacteria names, Mm -hmm. the the different microbes in the gut and what they actually are called and then knowing that you're just scratching the surface. Right. You don't even know because everybody's so diverse. It depends where you live, what you're eating, what your hygiene habits are. All those different things matter, and so since we've been carnivore for so long, I was kind of concerned about adding in some fermented food, but I've been doing that a little bit longer than you have because I like to eat sauerkraut. Right, so one of, the, delicious. one of the fermented foods that is suggested is sauerkraut, and Melody makes her own sauerkraut at home, um, so it's, we have it here available, and she likes to add it a little bit, and how much would you say that you've been adding, and how often? I probably once a day will eat like a quarter cup or maybe at most a half a cup of sauerkraut. Most people should start with like a tablespoon if you hadn't been eating it because Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, if you're eating like real live sauerkraut with, it's more potent than a probiotic you could, you could take Mm -hmm. because the live cultures in it. And when you eat that, you you know, if you haven't been having it, your body's got to kind of acclimate to it, and it can cause some people a little bit of gastric upset if they eat too much at once. And that gets into the your microbiome and how it's configured. So it, it's configured accompanied to really what food you eat. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and one of the things that they've that they've shown in the microbiome is that is that with people who have a certain ailments, whether it be you know they're autistic or they have Parkinson's or dementia, they can detect uh, certain levels of bacteria that are higher than normal in regular healthy people. And that's so interesting because you know if people have been listening to our podcast, they might know that my dad had Parkinson's and he passed away in two thousand nine. And now knowing a lot of these things, there's so much that I wish I would have known then because it could have given him a better quality of life. I'm not saying it would have reversed it, but I think the quality of life could have been a lot better towards Mm -hmm. the end. Um, And now knowing what we know about the gut microbiome and diet and everything and how it basically Parkinson's is a metabolic issue. It begins with metabolic Issues. Right. So that all begins in the gut. Yeah. All that disease begins in the gut. And the, the another great example that as I'm reading this book, you're, you're trying to, re, to relate and see how it affects you. And we've talked about it before as well that, you know, our son here was, was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I go back and I start looking, you know, uh, how does that happen? And, and was he always like that? Where did he get there? And I noticed a lot of the uh, behaviors and issues that we started having with with congestion and autistic spectrum behaviors all happened after he had pneumonia and was treated extensively with antibiotics. And antibiotics kill the good and the bad. So that's the danger with antibiotics. If someone has had like heavy rounds of antibiotics or even a few rounds or one round, you can, you know, if you're, if you don't have a good gut bacteria re-inoculation like say you went back to eating a bunch of crappy food after you had you know a round of antibiotics your gut bugs are going to be kind of messed up for a while Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's that thing of when you kill the good with the bad how do you replenish the gut bacteria and do that in a way where you know you avoid some of these issues like especially with kids because I know when you go to the let's say you go to the emergency room and your kid has a fever. And parents, I know you've ex- probably experienced this. You go in and they say they're going to give them an IV. Did you know that nine times out of ten that they get bagged with antibiotics without them even asking you about it? Right. They just bring in a bag of antibiotics. They put it up there with the saline. And if your kid is sick, they will just start pumping them full of antibiotics. And this has happened to us when we've been to the urgent care. Mm-hmm. And when I started asking, I was like, what's that bag? Oh, those are antibiotics. I was like, nope. <laughs> right. So you have to be really informed and aware of what's going on because, uh, you know, just reading that book, they say a lot of the uh, things that determine that are, are having pneumonia be treated with antibiotics, whether or not you were born, uh, you know, vaginal or a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so many of those, if, if you were born, say you were born uh, a C-section, those people are, are like twice as likely to have asthma and allergies than people who are not. Right. So there's a lot There's a lot of information, a lot of stats that kind of back up what they're saying. Uh, you just have to be kind of smart enough to correlate that to either your own health issues or your children's health issues. And also, they talk about the vaccines. So there's a lot of people that, you know, do not want to get their kid vaccinated uh, because of the threat with some people, you know, you can, you can read both sides of the stories, whether it's hundred percent true or hundred percent fake, whether or not vaccines cause autism. But is it also that that child had a weak microbiome? Yeah. And that's, you know, how do you, you know, unless you've been testing throughout the entire life of this little human, you don't know the exact answer here. Mm-hmm. 
So what's your best bet? Well, your best bet is to make sure kids are not eating sugar, dye, especially dyes, like dyes in food are terrible for mm-hmm. the gut. Um, sugar is terrible for the immune system. It weakens the immune system, which is housed in the gut. And then, you know, if you feed your kid, if you can get them to eat things like some fermented food, like a, a low sugar, no, not, well, not even a low sugar, but I mean a low carbohydrate, like a really good whole milk grass fed yogurt. That's a great way to get some probiotics into a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different things. You can make your own fermented ketchup and, you know, kids can have a little bit of carbs. So if you've got some sweet potato fries, and some homemade fermented ketchup. You're getting a fun food full of, you know, good probiotics into a kid. There's so many little things you can do like well, that. Well, you bring up yogurt, and it's it's very important to point out that uh, not all yogurt is created equal. No, some yogurt is absolute trash. Absolutely horrible. Like YoPlay, low fat yogurt is so high in sugar, um, you don't want to you don't want to be eating it. So the problem with yogurt and kids is it has to be plain. Very, you know, yeah. very bland yogurt that most kids don't want to eat. So, and that's the that's the thing. Like, if I had it to do all over again, of course I would do everything different. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm that I'm that person that I look back. That and goes like, it goes back to learning, trying to learn. Yeah, I would do everything different with with the kids, but you know, I would never start my kids on sugar, any kind of sugar or fruit first thing. It would be meat and fat. You know, proteins and fats first thing, and and some some things like a, a tart yogurt, so that they're used to that tartness and that mm-hmm. flavor, and they don't miss the sugar because they never had it. Yeah. And but I can't go back in time. You know. You can't. And but you know what we can do is you know we try to educate others like doing this show and just talking to people out there and trying to create awareness because. You know, people will tell you, especially people in the medical industry, like you know, either nurses or midwives or whoever, about when you when you take your child off of breast milk and put them on solid foods, you start them off with carbohydrates, and it doesn't make any sense because breast milk is less than five percent, I think, is in there in carbohydrates. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a good. It, it, it's like a perfect ratio, like keto ratio of you know fats, proteins, and carbs. But then, I mean. I did that. I put my kids on rice cereal first thing. Well, that's what they recommend to do. But like you said, when you look at breast milk, how it's how it's uh, you know made up, that's that's the perfect balance of everything you need. So when people start telling you to eat a lot of carbohydrates, you have to question why. When when breast milk is made up the way it is, which is mostly saturated fat, monosaturated fat, very little if any carbohydrates. That's what your body needs, and that's what right. it thrives on. So. It's so interesting, too, because the, uh, the recommendations that we've had for so long are so in contradiction to everything that humans knew instinctively to do in the past mm-hmm. and as, you know, as uh, nomadic people. We do everything exactly opposite. It's like we, we got to the point where we were like, well, we're smarter than that now. <laughs> um, let's manufacture some food. And clearly nature doesn't know what the heck it's doing. Yeah, so, we're, we're smarter than nature. Yeah, it's just so crazy. Hopefully that will change. 
Hopefully. You know, that our food system and everything, but it's going to be a slow moving train. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's hard when you, when the, you know, when you're trying to turn a system upside down, it's going to be very difficult because we're just not set up. We're just not set up for it right now. No. And now you've got all the vegans that are trying to convince people that getting rid of cows will help the environment. And that just blows my mind. Yeah. It's like, you also are going against nature because this has been a symbiotic relationship between the earth and the animals for a really long time. <laughs> right. You know, they've got it they've got it together and we're coming in and we're really screwing with it and mm-hmm. messing it up. But speaking of screwing something up, okay. If someone has had those rounds of antibiotics, let's come back full circle, or if you didn't feed your kids like we were talking about earlier and you started them off like I did on rice cereal and you know, what what can we do to start riding the ship and making it um, where our gut bacteria is more helpful and friendly and less right. detrimental. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the, the point we're coming to is how do you create a good microbiome? What foods do you include and how often to foster the growth of good gut bacteria? Right. So the first thing I want to say is back to our carnivore days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when we did remove all plants and all sugar and, and all of that stuff from our diet, it really gave us a chance to let all the bad bacteria die off. Right. Um, I would say that a carnivore diet, a strict carnivore diet, was one of the best cleansing tools that I've ever done. Now, we still did drink coffee because I was too... um, Well, we wanted to stay alive. I didn't want to go without (laughs) coffee. It was just a personal preference. I know some people will say just water, meat, and salt. And that's cool, but I didn't do that. And there's plenty of people that don't drink coffee. That's fine. No big deal. Yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah. So We like coffee. Whatever. We kept drinking it. Kept drinking it. Um, But it was one of the better ways I think of cleansing your system mm-hmm. and letting the gut bacteria that needs to leave leave because like we talked about before there was some major shifting in the gut microbiome major that shifting time. yeah and I say shift because I don't want it to come across like what it actually was. It was, it was evacuating is <laughs> what it was. Let's make sure that F is in there. <laughs> but there was some major shifting going on. And you know, your your body cleans itself out because there's no fiber for it to feed on. There's nothing going on in the colon uh, getting stuck there. So the only thing that does get stuck there would be fiber. Mm-hmm. And you take all that out and you have this really good tool to basically detox the gastrointestinal system is the way I view it. Mm-hmm. And then when you do start adding things back in, you can kind of increase the good bacteria in your gut by adding in the right kinds of foods. And that's what we were talking about, the sauerkrauts, the fermented foods like that. Um, Kombucha, you do need to be careful because a lot of the commercial brands are going to be more full of sugar than you want. Right. Because some of them will add sugar at the end to help it taste sweeter because kombucha is kind of a tart tea it's really not like it's not a drink you want to just sit down and guzzle or you can't you can't guzzle yeah you can't and um but so you have to be careful with that you have to be careful with yogurts but anybody can make their own fermented like 
even carrots, pickles. You can make all your own. You can ferment any. Yeah, pickled eggs. Yeah, pickled eggs. So, so those are the foods that you think about starting to add back in now. Now, how often and how fast do you want to do that? Well, that's kind of up to you. Um, I started adding in a little bit of sauerkraut mainly because I don't have a I don't have the taste for it yet. I did. I've never liked it. I've never wanted it. So uh, we had some pulled pork, mm-hmm. and I just threw some in there, kind of kind of like a kid hiding your peas and your mashed potatoes. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, just <laughs> the flavor. I like that tartness with the sour of the sauerkraut with that sweetness of the pork because pork has a little bit of sweetness to Mm -hmm. it and you mix those two things together and it is like delicious so i love it i'm not at the delicious level yet i love it but i'm getting at the i like it a little little better now yeah so if you add something like that i would say for someone wanting to start you want to go really slow see how your your body responds because when (laughs) when you do when you haven't had this stuff for a while your gut's going to tell you. It's going to talk. It's going to tell you loudly. <laughs> your gut's going to talk. Uh, some people's more than others. Last night, after I had I, I had my first kombucha yesterday that I have had in a very long time, I had some kombucha. And then last night, I had sauerkraut, and we also had some, some horseradish yeah. on our steak. And horseradish is also a fermented food. If you get a good brand. And so those things together, I guess I went a little overboard. That's why I caution everyone else to not do it. It sounded like I swallowed a bag of Pop Rocks. (laughs) My stomach was talking so much. It was like... It was. It was doing some hard work. It was popping and cracking. It sounded like snap, crackle, and pop. It was pretty cool. It was interesting. I should have got the mic out and recorded it with my new well, sound box. you should have because even the cat came over to me and she looked at my stomach and her ears <laughs> would go back. Like, what is that? So, you know, just be careful when you're adding things back into your diet because, you know, something else that we talked about uh, last week as well is Melody getting more into the experimenting making keto desserts, which, mm-hmm. which I'm telling you from my point of view is great because they're freaking delicious. Steve's put up a big fight trying to... <laughs> Testing the recipes, taste testing but, for me. But I should take my own <laughs> advice and not eat a dozen chocolate chip cookies in one day because it does not make you feel awesome, no matter what kind of food it is. No, it doesn't matter because, okay, so with keto baking, you have some fiber in there because mm-hmm. you've got, usually you're using coconut or almond flour or a combo of the two. And then you have a few other things like golden flax meal. And um, maybe some psyllium husk, which is um, known to be used for people to help them go have a bowel movement. To create some movement. Because it's, it's a fiber, and people think you've got to have fiber to go to the bathroom. Well, you don't. You don't. But the psyllium husk is in a lot some keto-baked products because it gives some of the glue to keep it. Because you're missing gluten. Mm-hmm. So gluten, you know, that holds everything together, gives everything that chewiness, that texture you want. And so, so, so you have to come up with ways to, to uh, create that in a keto baked good. So some of the stuff has had a little more fiber than <laughs> we're used to, which was zero. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been some action. Well, what it does for me is uh, it makes me feel really full. Yeah, and, I would say me too. And that's just—it's not normal when you're when you eat, you know, mostly a, a meat-based carnivore diet. You don't feel bloated or full, and in your stomach, in your abdomen, you don't feel that area. You just you feel clean and 
very uh, very good. Now, when you start adding that fiber in, you start to get that little bit of full feeling in your abdomen, which is weird for me. Yeah, even a little bit of it makes me feel kind of like, ooh, that's odd. I'm not used to that. And not to discourage people from eating the keto desserts, but... Well, just don't eat, eat at all. Yeah, don't eat, don't, don't eat like six... Keto Oreos on the way home from an event in the car like I did. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, don't do that. But it was kind of that thing of like, God, these are really good. They're good. And I couldn't oh, yeah. stop eating them. So the, the, so uh, so far we've had the, the Oreo cookies, the Oreos. chocolate chip, uh, chocolate cake, carrot cake. The carrot cake is, is, is delicious. And ice cream. Cookies and cream, ice cream, vanilla ice cream. The keto ice cream that she makes is delicious. Way better than Halo Top or whatever any of that stuff is you get at the grocery store. Halo Slop. Halo Slop. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, Halo Top. No, yeah, we're kidding. You have more sugar, Halo Top. You have more sugar than people think you do. Right. And And, and, and it's not a bad ice ice cream if you're looking to, you know, have a little bit, but... Uh, the keto ice cream that Melanie makes is way better. Well, I would say, like, we, it's hard because we haven't had stuff like this in so long. We could be confused. Maybe it's not as good as we think it is, but I think it's pretty freaking good. <laughs> and um, it's just been one of those things where we've had dessert every night for like two weeks. Now. Yes, yes, we have. And I, sometimes twice a day. And prior to that, if, you know, if I was eating regular desserts, sugary, uh, you know, whatever dessert goes, whatever the bad stuff that goes into it, I would feel horrible. And when you start feeling horrible, that leads to not being able to work out, which leads to gaining weight. None of that has happened. Like I haven't, I haven't felt like I put on weight. (laughs) I don't feel bad. The only thing that gets me is I feel a little, it's like in my head, a little guilty. Yeah, I I would say that that is something that I have to fight too, because I think because it tastes so good, I think, oh, this is going to be bad. You know, this I'm doing something so bad. But mostly, I just have to be careful because we haven't had fiber. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only thing that's been an issue for me. And just feeling full from the fiber and the, yeah. and the fat content. Because keto desserts typically have a lot more fat and Definitely, like we're talking one and two grams of net carbs per serving of something. And so you've got all this good fat and um, then you've got, very, you know, a little bit of protein and then you have no carbs. So you feel really full. It's like eating a fat bomb, you know. Yeah, well, you're, I mean, think about it. You're, you're basically, you know, selling fat ice cream instead of sugary ice cream. It's fat ice cream. It is fat ice cream that, you know, it's delicious. It is. So we're going to come up with a way to, to get that in stores, maybe. Oh, that would be <laughs> so much work. But like I said, let me just sell a dozen cookies first. <laughs> so, but Got to start somewhere. Yeah. The thing is, is it's been so interesting going from not eating any fiber to having the sauerkraut. Uh, we haven't added in like regular vegetables or anything. Um, no, no. Only fermented. And I would say for me, that's really all I like because I feel like I'm doing something. It's like dub, a double prize. I get probiotics mm-hmm. already there. And I also get some vegetables. So, you know, it's a little bit different texture, taste. 
Well, and if you, and if you go back and, and really do, again, historical research, not, not like the last 50 years crap research they've done about nutrition, which is mostly funded by the sugar industry and other companies who want to who don't care how you how your health is. If you go back past that and look at when they study, you know, uh, traditional societies, they all the really healthy ones usually included fermented foods. Right, they did. Whether it was some sort of dairy, so we know, like we talked about the Mongols not yep. long ago, and they would have the 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 mare's milk, mm-hmm. the horse milk, and a lot of times obviously there's no refrigeration right and if that's left out you would you would also see them heat it in a a a big pot and they would drink it hot but that's so crazy (laughs) so you brought the mongols and i just i just i just thought of something that i read this week that everybody should really know because it could save your life this information listen up this could save your life I know where this is going. If you ever have dysentery, <laughs> so one of the cures, that, and Germans in Africa found this out in World War II, one of the cures for dysentery was to eat warm camel feces. I still want to know how they figured that out. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, so which guy was like, my stomach really hurts? <laughs> <laughs> they, learned it, they learned it from the Bedouins in Africa. So the, uh, the, the Bedouins are the uh, nomadic people who travel all around, and they have herds of camels um so but that's a great point is how how did you figure that out how did you have dysentery and thinking man i'm pooping my brains out maybe if i eat poop it'll help me the only thing that i can come up with and this is by no stretch of imagine no stretch this is exactly what happened this is just my imagination of what could have took taken place so i imagine that they're drinking water People are getting sick and having diarrhea, and they're looking at the camels and going, they're not getting sick and having diarrhea, and they're drinking the same water. So maybe that's some sort of connection, and they thought, well, if we eat that poop, <laughs> maybe can, we won't get diarrhea. I can only, I can just, but I can see it. You know, it's like, hey. You're like, how did you go from like, the camels aren't getting sick, so let's eat their poop. All I think of is Anchorman. You will eat the cat poop. I will not eat the cat poop. You will eat the cat poop or you will die from dysentery. <laughs> you know, I mean, at some point, someone figured it out and good for them. I, I think it was probably more like a prank. I don't know. I don't know. It's I know a, how guys are. Probably. Look, man, if you eat that poop, it, it will go away. <laughs> and then it actually worked. And then it happened. They're like, wow, I was right. I was right. Man. So once again, I, I brought the conversation down to poop level. We have been talking about poop basically this whole time. <laughs> it was important. It is Everybody important. should look at their poop and understand what's coming out of you. Whether you digest it well, you know, does your poop sink, float? Does it talk to you? Does, does it do a song and dance? <laughs> so weird. So, but you know, don't run out and go eat camel poop just because we told that story. Well, if you have dysentery, it might be a good idea. Maybe I don't know, but I'm not doing it. Mm, yeah. You know? So, uh, so anyway, um, that, and there was something else, but you got me way off with talking about the camel poop. It's funny. And then that could save people's lives. I'm it, telling you, if you're ever in Africa, don't go there, by the way. This, everybody oh. dies in Africa. <laughs> I guess everybody dies here too, but everyone dies once. We <laughs> right. live every day. Oh, so, yeah. so good. That's I so know. good. I, I saw it in a Snoopy cartoon. <laughs> But we also saw that story yesterday morning on the CBS Morning Show. Uh-huh. 
And all these rural hospitals are closing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this was an interesting story to me because you've got these really small towns, like, and they have one hospital. This was Tonopah, Nevada, which I've been to, is in the middle of nowhere. And what, how far was the nearest hospital from that? It was like 100 miles? Uh, it was, yeah, 100 miles, I think. Going like 85 miles an hour. They had down. to go to California from Tonopah to California. It's closer than going to Vegas. Okay. So these are, and this is happening like in places in Oklahoma and different rural areas. They've got hospitals are closing down, these Mm -hmm. small hospitals. They're running out of money. But in the story, everyone that they interviewed, like that were going to these setup clinics and like gymnasiums and stuff to get medical treatment uh, because the hospital closed, almost every single person was there for a metabolic issue. Yeah. It was diabetes-related or, you know, something like that. Well, the two that were very specific was uh, a guy died from uh, the complication from diabetes because he couldn't, he couldn't get to a hospital because there wasn't one there. Right. And another one was epilepsy. Right. So the woman's child had epilepsy and there was no hospital close. So when she had a seizure, she had to drive all that way. And both of those, as we know, are, you know, fixable just through diet. Well, you can definitely mitigate seizures um, through a ketogenic diet, especially a really high-fat therapeutic ketogenic diet has mm-hmm. been shown. And, and that's where we, we have keto from. That's where they used it first was with children who were uh, medication res- had medication-resistant epilepsy. And so you're looking at that, and there's no hospital but has anyone ever talked to these people about their diet? Probably no. Uh, it's and crazy, yeah. I know. And then the man, the poor man who, like you said, he died from a diabetic-related incident. Um, there was no hospital. But with diet, that you know, diabetes can be really regulated so effectively through Basically a ketogenic reversed. diet. Yeah. If you have Depending, type two, and they didn't say he had whether he had type one or type two. I would imagine because of his age that it was type two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just so interesting because a lot of these hospitals are closing, but a lot of the need for the hospital comes from metabolic related issues. It, basically food disease. Yeah. Basically you disease have, from food, right? You have food disease. Yeah. Um, you have, you know, eaten food and your body has decided that it's had enough of that kind of crappy food. And now it's going to break down on you. And, you know, really most of it was all, well, most all of it that they talked about was reversible with diet. Chronic autoimmune diseases is what most of those people need to care for. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they needed some nutritional therapy is what I say. Well, it was really interesting because, you know, going to these clinics they had set up, they weren't going to get, they were going to get a medication, which was going to then lead to needing another medication. Mm-hmm. And they were just going to mask symptom, mask the symptoms for as long as possible until basically your body just gives out. Yeah. You just die. You, yeah. And we, we saw this last week, a celebrity death. Mm, oh yeah. Luke Perry. Luke Perry. I know. I didn't watch 90210. That missed me somehow. I don't know how I missed that. I think I was having kids. Well, Luke Perry, he died. He was only 52. He died of a, a complication from a stroke. And, you know, it's, and I read an article where they, where they talked to him about diet years ago, and he ate, he tried to avoid meat. He ate a low-fat diet, 
and tried to eat healthy, as they always say. Yeah, and that's just not really working out for many people. We've got, you know, the biggest epidemic of, uh, you know, obesity, and then we see heart disease, cancer, all these things, while everyone says they're eating less meat, meat, more vegetables, vegetables, and no fat, and avoiding cholesterol, but things get worse. So you have to start, you know, if, if this was any other industry... We would have called it a failure a long time oh, ago. The, the, the medical system we have in place is a huge, huge failure because everybody is getting sicker. They're not getting better. So continuing to give the same crappy low-fat advice that you continue that the doctors continue to give, they should all be fired. If you give low-fat advice, you should be fired. Well, in any other, like I said, in any other industry, if you were giving this kind of advice with this kind of outcome, you would be fired. Yeah, you would be, but... Again, people think if it comes from a doctor that they know what they're talking about. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to push down saying doctors are dumb. They're not dumb. They're misinformed. Well, if I need surgery, I don't want a nutritional therapy practitioner. <laughs> right. Yes. That's yes, the exactly. thing. If I need surgery, I don't want an NTP working on me. Well, and that's and that's great. But medicine has gotten so specialized that, you know, you can't you don't assume that an orthopedic surgeon is going to understand about nutrition. Right. Because that's not what they do. Um, anyway, that's a that's a rabbit that's a, hole. We, we don't want to go down. Yeah, that's that's but, um, chasing another rabbit. Yeah, we've talked about poop and stuff, so that pretty it's, much you know wraps up the podcast. I think it does. I'm pretty sure we covered everything about poop today. Uh, maybe we'll maybe. talk about it later. We'll talk about it again sometime. <laughs> yeah. Come back next week for more poop talk. <laughs> Last week on the Tactical Kitchen, I love that. So, <laughs> so you know, if you're so this week, think about if if you are not doing a strict carnivore diet. Um, maybe think about adding a little bit of fermented food if you haven't before and see what happens. Do it slow. Mm-hmm. Do, it slow. <laughs> Do it very slowly. And then, especially if you have gut health issues or allergies or things like that um, and have a lot of congestion, a good probiotic from a natural food is like your best bet. It is. So if, and, 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 you know, and the reason we were talking about it is, is because we both of us had children who had a lot of congestion. Yes. And when they start linking that to a mucus poor, monsters, mucus monsters, when you start linking that mucus to a poor microbiome, then it starts clicking, and you're like, "Oh man, if I just would have known this, I could have changed the food, and maybe my child would not have been congested all the time, and would have been healthier, and all those things that you wish you would have done." And that's why we're sharing this information. Absolutely. So go out there and get some sauerkraut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get living sauerkraut. Don't get the stuff on the store shelf in the can or the Clausen or whatever. Get some get some real sauerkraut. If you have questions, you can message us. We'll help you out yep. to know what brands or whatever are good for you to get. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this week. So everybody, uh, have a great week. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.